Husbands have a critical role in redeeming marriage. It's so important that when it comes to the most significant passage in the Bible on marriage, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 33, at least from a new perspective, from a New Testament perspective, that three and a half verses are devoted to wives, but eight and a half verses are devoted to husbands. So this lets us know that husbands play a major, major role in redeeming, in reclaiming, in restoring marriage. God wants to use husbands to save marriages, to cause marriages to be what he designed marriage to be. He wants to use husbands to help marriages be a display, a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. And as Christians, we need to understand and we need to realize the critical and crucial role that husbands play so that we can pray for Christian husbands, so that we can cry out to God and ask God to use the Christian husbands in our midst and also Christian husbands in general. So once again, I invite you to pay attention to Ephesians 5, verses 25 through the first part of verse 33, because it zeroes in on what the role of the Christian husband is when it comes to causing marriage to be what God intended marriage to be. And so God wants all of us, whether we're a husband or not, to hear what he has to say to husbands about redeeming marriage and salvaging marriage and causing marriage to be what he would want it to be. We noted last Sunday that the husband is commanded to love his wife. And we looked at the very first portion of verse 25 where Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives. Paul gives a command. And he's stressing something that he will reiterate over and over again in these verses. So in verse 25, he says, husband, love your wives. And then in verse 28, he says to husband, you have a moral obligation to love your own wife as you love yourself. And then he concludes in verse 33 by giving them the moral necessity the imperative that you are to love your wife. So we can't hide from it. We can't duck from it. The responsibility, the primary responsibility, the only responsibility that Paul gives to Christian husbands in this passage is that they are to love their wives. Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. And so we looked at this command. We said that it was an unexpected command. Having just told husbands and wives that the head of the home is the husband, that Paul doesn't say husbands lead your wives. Paul doesn't say husbands guide your wives. 
No, he unexpectedly says, husbands, love your wives. Don't worry about being the head of the home, husbands. Focus in on loving your wife. It's an unusual command. And and the reason I say that is because you're not going to find this command throughout the Bible. You go to the Old Testament. Old Testament saints were not told to love their wives. You look at extra biblical literature. It's not there. It's an unusual command. For Paul, all all of a sudden, when it comes to the responsibility of a husband in the culture in which he's writing, and to Jews and even to the Greco Roman culture, to say to them, Love your wife. Love your wife. It's also, as we pointed out, a difficult command. We we like to say to wives, wives, it's hard for you to submit to your husband. But I want to say it's equally hard, if not harder, to say to husbands, love your wife. And I know some of you wives are thinking, I'm so lovable, I'm so wonderful. It ain't hard. I'm just dealing with the text. It's a difficult command. When you ask a sinner, the Christian husband, to love another sinner, the Christian wife, and she might not even be a Christian wife. She might just simply be the wife. It's difficult. I have a book that talks about when two sinners say, I do. We forget that when it comes to the marriage relationship. Yes, they might both be saved, but it is a difficult command to tell the husband, love your wife, particularly when it says, love your wife like Christ loved the church. It's an unnatural command. We don't wake up. Christian husbands, feeling like we want to love our wives. It doesn't matter how wonderful she is or how marvelous she is. That's not our natural instinct. Naturally, we don't want to love our wife. And that's why we have to be commanded. That's why God has to say in his word here in Ephesians 5, three different ways, Colossians 3.18, husbands, love your wives. Because it's not natural for the Christian husband to do that. What's natural is for us to love ourselves. What's natural is for us to be selfish. It's not natural to be selfless in loving our wife. It's a command that's often misunderstood. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear husbands that you are to love your wife. Some of you might be thinking, oh, God is telling me to be Don Juan or somebody in regards to my wife. God is telling me to love her erotically or to love her emotionally, et cetera, et cetera. God is telling me to love her like the world tells a man to love his wife. No, this command is often misunderstood. We we forget biblically what the Bible means by loving someone. 
It means to seek the best possible good. God is not saying to you, husbands, whisper sweet nothings into your wife's ear. He's not saying caress her, hold her hand, go for a nice, wonderful walk, and nothing's wrong with any of that. But when he says love your wife, he's not dealing with that, which is emotional, so to speak. It's an act of the will. He's not dealing with that which is erotic or even that which is natural in the sense of friendliness and feeling at home with each other. It's a command that's often misunderstood. And I must remind you that it is the command that is permanent. And what I mean by that, husband, is that you are given a life sentence to love your wife. Every day, every moment of your life, you are to love your wife. And I don't want you to take that in the wrong way. Some of the ladies' eyebrows raise because I said life sentence. I just mean it's permanent. It's to continually go on. We got to make sure that we love our wives day in and day out. There was a husband uh, who really didn't understand this command. One early morning, he got up out of the bed. It was about three in the morning, and he got up and left his wife in the bed and went downstairs made himself a cup of coffee and began drinking his coffee. His wife eventually woke up, and when she woke up, she kind of felt for her husband and realized he wasn't there. And so she started looking for him, and she found him. She went downstairs, and there was her husband, sitting down at the breakfast room table, drinking a cup of coffee. And as he was drinking the coffee, tears were coming down his eyes. And naturally, she said, honey, what's wrong? And he says, do you remember when you were 17 and I was 21 years old and we were in the back seat of my car while it was parked in your driveway and we were making out? And she said, yeah, yeah I remember that. And he said, do you remember how unexpectedly the car door was open and there was your father with a shotgun. And he said to me, that 21-year-old fooling around with a 17-year-old, he said, either you marry my daughter now or I'm going to see to that you spend some time in prison, 20 years. That was his threat. And the wife said, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And the husband looked at his wife and said, well, today I would have been a freed man. (laughs) The 20 years would have been over. Now, husbands, I'm not talking about a life sentence in that way. I'm talking about in a sense that God expects you day in and day out to be a lover of your wife. 
that there's never ever to be a moment in your life, a second in your life, in which you are not committed to loving your wife. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter if she's lovely or unlovely. That doesn't factor into the picture. God says to husbands, love your wife. But there's another thing I want you to see with regards to this command, and that is it provides balance. When you understand what God says to the wife, how she is to submit to her husband and respect him, here's the balancing part. And that is that the husband is to love his wife. And those two really should go together. We know that sometimes in marriage that doesn't happen. But the reality when it comes to the Christian marriage, you have a wife who's submitted to the lordship of Christ and she submits to her husband and respects him. And you have a husband who's committed to the lordship of Christ and he loves his wife like Christ loved the church. That's the intention. That's the goal. It's not to be either or, even though sometimes that will happen. There will be times that the wife has to submit to an unbelieving husband or a disobedient husband, and she has to consult 1 Peter chapter 3. There are times that a husband has to love a wife who, who doesn't want to love him, who doesn't want to follow him. And the Christian husband has to rely upon Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 25 and following. This is a balancing command. But unfortunately, sometimes you might, husbands, have to redeem your marriage all on your own. And the good news is, is that God says he can use you to make that happen. And so, we have a command that is unexpected, it's unusual, it's difficult, it's not natural, it's often misunderstood, it's permanent, and it's a balancing command. And, And the question is, how do I obey a command like this? How do I love my wife? And husbands, I'm glad you asked, because there's an answer to that. When you look at the rest of our text, in the last part of verse 25, all the way to verse 33, Paul tells the Christian husband not only to love his wife, but he tells the Christian husband how, how he is to love his wife. And so as we come to our second major point from our text, I want you to see that the husband is counseled. He's given wisdom, he's given counsel to love his wife like Christ loved the church. That's what verses, the last part of verse 25 all the way to verse 27 is saying to husband. It's giving husbands wisdom. It's giving husbands insight. It's giving husbands direction from above on how a husband can love his wife, 
Even when we recognize that the command is unnatural, that the command is difficult, that the command is unusual and unexpected, etc., God comes along and says, Christian husband, I know all of that. I know the command is all of these things. But you can love your wife. You can. And so what does he do? He points the Christian husband, to Jesus Christ. That's the solution. That's the answer. Don't go to Dr. Phil. Don't go to the barber shop. Don't go to the buddies you hang out with on the uh, basketball court. Go to Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. He's not only to be the center of your life and the circumference of your life, but he is the model. He is the example of what it means for a husband to love his wife. And husband, we will never ever be able to fulfill this responsibility unless we ponder and reflect and think upon Christ's love for the church. That's how. You and I are to love our wives, just like Christ loved the church. And it is an undeniable fact that Christ loved the church. No way you can get around that. Christ loved the church. Paul says it's not up for debate. It's not up for argument. It is clear that the Lord Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And if these words sound familiar to you, in a way they should, because Paul began this chapter writing to these Christians at Ephesus. And I want you to look at verses 1 and 2 of Ephesians 5. Because in those verses, Paul commands the Ephesians, be imitators of God. And then he also says, walk in love. And then he adds these important words, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. Paul says, I want you to walk in love. I'm commanding you to do that. And the model for you Christians at Ephesus walking in his love is the fact that Christ loved you. Paul points his finger at each and every Christian at Ephesus and says, Christ loved you. I don't care if you are a husband or wife. I don't care if you're a parent or a child. I don't care if you're an employer or an employee. Christ loved you. And Paul adds, and gave himself up for us. Paul says he didn't just die for you, he died for me. He gave himself up for us. And so now he's saying, husband, I I want you to know how to love your wife. And you're going to have to love your wife like Christ loved the church. And And don't you ever doubt it, don't you ever question it, Christ loved the church. And if you don't know that Christian husband, if you don't know that Christian, then I don't know how you know the gospel story. I don't know how you can read the gospel story and not walk away from it 
with the fact that Christ loved me. That he loved me when I was dead in my trespasses and sin. He loved me by dying on the cross for me. He was buried for me. He was raised from the dead for me. He ascended back to heaven for me. And Paul doesn't put it that personal. He says Christ died for the church. Who's that? Those are genuine believers who have put their faith in Christ alone for salvation. So Paul says, husband, you want to know how to love your wife? I'll tell you how. Love her just as Christ also loved the church. Husband, spend all your time. Spend all your ability, not reading books on marriage, but reading the book that talks about the relationship between Christ and the church. Look at his love. Study his love. Learn his love. And may that be a model to you. And so Paul says, husbands, my counsel to you, my wisdom to you, my insight for you, that you love your wife like Christ loved the church. And what that means in practical terms is that husbands love your wife sacrificially. Love her sacrificially because that's how Christ loved the church. He loved the church sacrificially. That's what it means when it says he gave himself up for the church. He handed himself over for the church. In other words, he died on the cross for the church. Oh, yes, I know we can bring in scripture that says he died for the whole world, but that's what, not what Paul is interested in. Paul is saying, Christian, husband, Christ died on the cross for you and for the rest of the members of the body of Christ. He gave himself up. That is, he preexisted as God. He was conceived in the womb by the Holy Spirit in in Mary's womb. He was born. He lived his life. And all of that points to the fact that he loved the church, that he loved the Christian. The preexistence, virginal conception, the incarnation, in the life of Christ testifies beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christ loved the church. The the cross shouts and proclaims forever that Christ loved the church. And Paul is saying, Christian husband, you are to follow Christ's example. Christ loved the church and in a sacrificial way, and you are to love your wife sacrificially. That does not mean that you go to the cross and pay the penalty, uh, 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 pay the penalty of sins for your wife. Christ has done that. 
He's not asking you to be, quote, the savior, to be the redeemer. He's asking you to sacrificially love your wife. In the words of 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, not John chapter 3, verse 16, but 1 John 3, 16. We are to love our wife husbands by laying down our lives for them. Sacrificial love. Laying down one's life. Denying self and holding nothing back in seeking my wife's best possible good. Every day, every hour, every moment of my life as a married man, as a husband, I am to love my wife sacrificially. I am to deny myself. When I want to do my own thing, when I want to have my own way, I am to say no and lay down my life for my wife. Oh, husband, I know what they're going to say. They're going to say, your wife got your nose wide open. And you tell them, yes, she does. You sing to them that song. She got me going in circles. Round and around and around I go. Spun out. I like to add the word strung out. After you. That's that's the husband's song. To to, to say to his wife, I'm strung out. I'm spun out over you. You're my life when it comes to a human being here on earth. I, I love you more than any other woman. I love you more than my children. I love you more than my grandkids. I love you. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, husband, this is how you love your wife. Don't take your cue from others. Take your cue from the Lord Jesus Christ and how he loved the church. So that when people look at your love toward your wife in the marriage, they can say, oh, that's what Christ's love for the church looks like. Love your wife sacrificially. And it means, husbands, that you have to deny yourself. You have to give up yourself. When's the last time you've done that? I spent a lot of time teaching in seminary. And every year, when it got close to graduation, they would have the seniors who were graduating speak in chapel. And the uh, senior, you know, the men would bring in their family, their wives with their Two kids, three kids, ten kids. And the husband would get up there and talk about how much his wife sacrificed for him to get through seminary. And I always said to myself, that's not what Ephesians 5 says. Ephesians 5 doesn't say, wives, sacrifice for your husband. Ephesians 5 says, you husband, you Christian husband, you ought to have been sacrificing for your wife instead of you worrying about getting A's. Instead of you worrying about graduating with all kind of titles, you should have been willing to sacrifice. 
I know our wives, our Christian wives, oftentimes sacrifice for their wives, but that's not their ultimate responsibility. Husband is our responsibility. Christian husbands are to sacrificially love their wives. And so I ask you, husbands, do you love your wife like Christ loved the church? Is your love and your dedication and your devotion solely to your wife so that it can be said that I only have eyes for my wife? Some of your eyes can't even stay in the eye sockets because you're looking around. Eyes only for your wife. Ears only for your wife. And I'm speaking to myself. I know how easy it is to watch, try to watch the football game and have a conversation with your wife. But do you have ears only for your wife? Do you have a heart only for your wife, husbands? Do you have emotions only for your wife? Christ loved the church and he set his love on the church alone. And that's to be our model. When it comes to loving our wives, we're to love her sacrificially. You know, it's wonderful when you look at this passage to get lost in the story within the story. And what I mean by that is that this passage talks about Christ's great love for the church and how he gave himself up for the church. But that's not the purpose of the passage. The purpose of the passage is that husbands would love their wives sacrificially. And so let's get back to, so to speak, the story within the story. There's something else that Paul wants to say to the Christians, husbands at Ephesus. He counsels them, yes, love your wife like Christ loved the church. And what that means is that he is to love her intentionally. Don't just love her sacrificially, love her intentionally. That is, have purposes and goals when it comes to your love for your wife, husbands. And again, Paul takes us back to that marvelous relationship between Christ and the church. And he lets us know that when Christ loved the church and when he gave himself up for the church, he had purposes in doing that. He had goals in doing that. He had intentions in doing that. And when you look at verses 26 and 27, it becomes clear because they're introduced to us by that little word, that. And I just want to read these two verses and I want you to see the three times that Paul uses that word, that. That's because it's telling us that Christ gave himself up for the church for these particular reasons and goals. And so Paul says in verse 26, that he, that is Christ, might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. That, there's the second time that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that, the third use, that she might be holy and blameless. Christ intentionally loved the church and gave himself up for the church. And I would love to go 
look at the story within the story, but that's not my goal. Let me just quickly remind you of his three purposes. The first purpose is that he might sanctify the church. Christ died on the cross, gave himself up that the church, believers, the body of Christ, might be sanctified, that they might be set apart from sin and set apart to God. That's his goal for the church. He saves you and me who are dead in trespasses and sin. He saves us knowing that we are filthy, that we are dirty. And so he washes us with the word. He cleanses us because we're filthy and dirty. And the end result is he wants a church that is set apart from sin and devoted and committed to God. He gave himself up that he might sanctify the church. Also, Paul says he gave himself up that he might present to himself the church in all her glory. Jesus Christ loves the church. And it's his desire, it's his goal to one day present the church to himself. Now that's strange. When you think about a wedding... We always see the husband standing at the front and the wife coming into the sanctuary and walking down the aisle accompanied by her father or somebody special in her life. And that individual walks the wife, the bride, and gives the bride to the bridegroom, the husband, the groom. You don't ever see the husband escorting the wife into the sanctuary and walking her down and giving the bride to himself. But that's the picture that Paul gives here. And that's why it's so compelling. He, he wants to present the church to himself. That's how special and valuable the church is. He wants to present the church to himself. How? Not as dirty, not as ugly, not as filthy, not as those who are still slaves to their sin, but he wants to present to the church to himself in all of her glory so that she is a glorious church, so that she's a bride. When she comes in, she's in white. Because she's been washed, because she's clean, she's pure, she's she's beautiful. People are saying, ooh, and ah, she's so glorious. And that's what Christ wants to do for the church, to present the church to himself in all of her glory. Having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. No signs of filth, no sign of old age. That's what Christ desires for the church, to present the church to himself in all her glory. And if that's not enough, there's a third purpose. And that third purpose is that the church might be holy and blameless. That's what he says, that the church might be holy and blameless. Don't get lost in that story. It is a wonderful story. 
It is an amazing story that Christ loves us in that way. That he wants to sanctify us. That he wants to present us to himself in all of our glory, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That he wants us to be holy and pure. But that's not the story. That's the story within the story. And the story is, yes, husband, Christ loved the church, but he loved the church intentionally. And you as a husband are to love the church intentionally. That you are to have purposes and goals when it comes to your love for your wife. It, It is not sufficient. It is not enough just to say, I love my wife. No, I am to love my wife intentionally. I am to have goals and purposes for her. And so, husband, I don't know. I don't know what your thinking was when you married your wife. You might have found out very soon that the wife that you married on the wedding day is not the wife that you took home on the wedding day. You're like that man who fell in love with the opera singer. He fell in love with her from a distance, ended up marrying her. And it was wedding night. He thought he was taking home one thing on wedding day, but it's now wedding night. And she took off the wig. She took off the makeup, took off the eyelashes, took out the false teeth. And all he could say is what, husbands? Sing, baby, sing. <laughs> well, husbands, the, the, the woman that you took home on wedding day, and she was yours now forever. She's not to look like the one that you married on that day. Because you have a responsibility. You have a goal. God expects you to love her intentionally. God expects you to love her purposely. God expects you to set your love on her to help her be all that he wants her to be. Husband, that's our calling. That's our goal. When God says, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. We are to have purposes and goals and plans that we have set out when it comes to our wife. That we are to love them purposely. We are to love them intentionally. We, we don't want our wife to be the woman she was at the beginning of the marriage. We don't want our wife to be the wife she was at the beginning of the marriage. But we are doing all that we can, sacrificing, expending energy, etc. Because we want her to be all that God wants her to be. And so husbands, that's how you are to love your wife. Love her sacrificially and love her intentionally. So I would ask you, husband, what are your goals? What are your purposes when you set your love on your wife? 
What is it that you want God to accomplish through you when it comes to your wife? Are you concerned about her well-being? That she be the best that God would want her to be, no matter what she's called to do, whether it's the job, whether it's the home, whether it's the marriage, whether it's at church. Are you striving? Are you working hard? Are you sacrificing? Because you want your wife to be without spot or wrinkle. That you want your wife to be glorious. Uh, You want your wife to be of such a character so that when people look at her, they see the amazing hand of God, how he has worked through the husband. And so husbands... This is what you're called to do. So how do we obey the command, husbands? The command that is unexpected, that is unusual, the command that is difficult and unnatural. How do we obey that command? The the command that we often misunderstand, but yet the command is permanent. And provides balance. How how do we obey that command? Obviously, we need the grace and help of the Spirit of God. But we are to obey that command by loving our wife sacrificially and loving our wife intentionally. And so, husbands, go home, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. Love your wife intentionally. Love your wife sacrificially. And make sure, having gone home, that you come back next Sunday. (laughs) Because there's more counsel. Paul is going to counsel you and me as husband to love our wives like we love ourselves. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you care about Christian husband, that when it comes to the marriage relationship that is established by you, that is so important to you, that you have taken the time to tell the Christian husband how they can redeem their marriage, how they can have their marriage be all that you want it to be, how they can have a marriage that is on the pedestal, how they can have a marriage that reflects the relationship between Christ and the church. Father, I pray that you'll use your word in the lives of the Christian husbands under the sound of my voice, that they will ponder, that they will reflect, that they will think deeply on the Lord Jesus Christ and how he has loved the church. I pray that they will be led by your spirit to love their wives in the same manner. Help them to love their wife sacrificially, to lay down their life for their wife. Help them to love their wife intentionally with goals and purposes in mind, to help their wife be all that you would want the wife to be. 
and that they would be an instrument in your hands to make that happen. Father, help us as husbands to redeem marriage so that it's all that you would want it to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.